Today's TribCast is presented by Bills Up Now, a legislative tracking service that allows anyone to stay up to date on the issues that matter most without sacrificing their schedules. Schedule a demo today at BillsUpNow.com. And Texas A&M University, where animators from the visualization program create movies like Incredibles 2. Visit FearlessFront.com to learn how Aggies are incredible on every front. Texas Talking what was that that you said? Texas talking, I'm gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas guys Hey, this is Dave Leventhal, federal politics editor at the Center for Public Integrity, and we're this week publishing a six-part, 25,000-word investigative series we're calling Abandon in America. Check it out. You'll find it at publicintegrity.org. And the Texas Tribune has joined us in co-publishing the first installment. It's a gripping piece about the little Big Bend city of Presidio, Texas. We hope you read it. Inexplicably, the Texas Tribune's Emily Ramshaw and Ian Mitra okayed this nonprofit news organization collaboration, even after having to had to work with me back in the day when we were all slinging ink together for the Dallas Morning News. For this, I'm grateful as we at the Center for Public Integrity are grateful for the Texas Tribune's journalism. So, without further ado, enjoy this week's TribCast, and here's your esteemed host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you, Dave. This is Emily Ramshaw here on Wednesday, October 20th with your Texas Tribune TribCast, our weekly Texas politics and policy podcast. I'm joined this week by CEO Evan Smith. Springsteen for or against? A for, of course. Are you for? Yeah, Sure. I'm sort of four. I mean, I think it's are possible you, to go too far. Are You're you sort of four? Un-American? Sort of four. Uh, executive editor Ross Ramsey. Unlike the CEO here, I am not full of beans on it's Springsteen. A, it's American to like Springsteen? Yeah. And community reporter Alex Samuels, who Evan thinks is too young for Springsteen. Do you know who that is? I, I do know who that is. Do you refer to him as Springstein, just trying to pronounce <laughs> it? We'll also be taking your questions via Facebook and Twitter. Wait, millennials so like Bruce Springsteen? I mean, I don't really listen to him. I, I know of him. That was your question. I do I know, know of yeah. him. Right. My, my daughter has been sitting, Saved by preposition. My, my daughter was raised in the backseat of Becky Brownlee's car singing Bruce Springsteen. I don't want to hear, I don't you hear about Becky your backseat. No, no. 22-year-old. 22-year-old. Gross. Singing in the backseat. Settle yeah. down. I'm going to start this conversation. The backseat conversation has got to stop. This minute. Speaking of backseats, oh, this is a great (laughs) transition. So uh, last week we had this discussion on the podcast about whether Beto O'Rourke would be endorsed by Obama and why or why not. And I was the idiot who said, you know, just wait and hold off. I bet it happens. And then Julian, our colleague Julian, got into the backseat with Beto O'Rourke after an event in El Paso, headed to the airport. And Julian got the full story. What did Beto tell him? I'm just focused on Julian and Beto being in the backseat. Back I just, you know, to, to yeah. quote Beto O'Rourke, I'm just not that interested. He told he told uh, Julian he's just not that interested in Obama's endorsement, um, and so that's a, that officially means it's not going to happen, right? If you say I'm just not that into you, or basically, you know, some yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just not interested. We're just not interested. I mean, it's it's a way of sort of getting some distance and also telling, you know, Obama, hey, uh, stay out. It wouldn't help. Mm-hmm. The, the, the theory here is that Obama is not popular in Texas. Therefore, an Obama endorsement both doesn't help and hurts. Right. Those two things being separate. Right. It doesn't assist him 
uh, enough with Democrats who he's not already getting. In other words, there's no one who was on the fence about Beto until Obama endorsed it. Well, now I'm going to vote for him. But it actually creates an opportunity for the Cruz campaign to run ads against Beto saying, see, we told you so. He's a puppet of Obama. This is always the bet. This is the bet Cruz is making that Donald Trump will excite more Democrats than he incites, um, excite more Republicans than he incites Democrats. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always a plus and minus. I mean, is is the line, I don't think we're interested, though, is that a diss? No. I don't think it's a diss. It was gentle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a diss, and I think it's not a diss in part because what is there to diss? Right. If you're a work, you're just like, no, I would just as soon not be endorsed by anybody at the national level because this is not a race that I'm running as a national Democratic Party candidate. I'm running this as a Texan. Every time I, at the end of the Tribune Festival, attempted to get him to pigeonhole himself, he resisted my... Uh, my, my, best, my best efforts. Well, no, we were not in the back seat. Um, <laughs> I resist. He resisted my best Mr. efforts Bullock because there. because the you know the, there is a legitimate conversation going on right now, and just to turn this into substance as opposed to the love connection podcast. Okay, um, this there, would probably be a better listen to. There podcast is a legitimate a question about the spectrum. Audiences already on falling, which, <laughs> right, on, or growing, as the case may be, on which the Democratic Party uh, uh, sits. The continuum, uh, at one end, you would have the most progressive candidates in this cycle, the Ayanna uh, Presleys and the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez type candidates. And then on the other end, you have these kind of traditional establishment Democratic candidates. I attempted to get O'Rourke to say where he put himself along that continuum because, you know, if you're a progressive candidate this time, there's both pluses and minuses. But if you're not one, there's also both pluses and minuses. I think that the thing about associating with any national Democratic brand is you make yourself less Texan, Democratic Party is not popular in Texas. It's just not. The National Democratic Party is just not. So you're handing Cruz and the Cruz campaign an opportunity if you accept willingly an endorsement from even someone like President Obama. Mm -hmm. he, he sort of, in that story, compared it to Sylvester Reyes, his opponent in 2012 in the congressional race. Basically, Sylvester was getting endorsements from Obama and Bill Clinton, and he sort of said, see, look, you know, didn't work for didn't work for him. Why would it work for me? Well, there's also a hypocrisy thing there. You know, if, if I was dissing an old opponent for taking an Obama endorsement, it'd look funny for me to take an Obama endorsement. I mean, he made it a big deal in that race that Washington establishment wanted this guy from El Paso, he wanted to be the guy El Pasoans wanted, yada, yada, yada. It would be um, a change of direction to take an Obama endorsement. And by the way, I seem to remember uh, President Trump coming to campaign at some point soon for Ted Cruz. Yes. In like the Allen football stadium or something like that. Well, Allen the, high the school. The biggest one they can find, the, which we figure is some high school. Well, one of those big old high schools, Katie or something. Um, so, I mean, it's Trump. So, so here, but I think yeah. O'Rourke is going to criticize. Right. Cruz, Trump. theoretically, for taking the support of that president and right. that national brand. Mm -hmm. So it would be ridiculous, then, you would think, for him to do the same on his own. Yeah, Cruz is not just going with Donald Trump. He's got Donald Trump Jr. down DJ here. He's got DJ TJ. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's a family affair. I, I just affair. like that whole—I think DJ TJ is the best shorthand that you could possibly ask for. I'm jealous of not having that. So is Trump that much—I mean, is Obama as much of a liability as Trump is, you know, a positive in— Cruz's corner? I mean, it seems like they'd sort of both be trying to distance themselves, and yet, I mean, it's Trump's popular. What are so Trump's popular? We, 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 we did the fan fiction version of the election that never happened, but yes. you wanted to happen, which was Obama versus Trump. The yes, Republican sure. numbers, you know, Republican voter numbers with Trump are so strong in Texas, or have been so strong, that, you know, you can't safely 
in most districts, real hurt accepted, uh, you can't safely put any distance between yourself and Donald Trump and hope to do well with Texas voters. Texas voters love Donald Trump. Um, Texas Republican voters do. Uh, Texas Democratic voters like Obama a lot, but not with the same intensity, and it's not as dangerous in this still conservative state to put some distance between yourself and former President Obama if you're a Democrat. And, and if I were a Democrat running in a congressional race where there was an opportunity for me to be competitive because it was more of a 50-50 state than the state of Texas, or 50-50 district than the state actually is itself, right. if I'm a Lizzie Fletcher or I'm a Colin Allred or if I'm a Gina Ortiz-Jones right. or one of these, I would much rather campaign against Trump than campaign for or with Obama. Right. Because in those districts, Ross has said many I've quoted Ross many, many times. Anger is a greater motivator than joy at election time. That's a Ross Ramsey classic. And the fact is, Trump inspires anger. And that anger is more of a motivator at election time than the joy would be of looking back upon a time when nostalgia and all that with Obama. and right. yeah. So I think probably if you're Fletcher or all right, you'd say, well, let's be known. Now, Obama has endorsed all right, by the way. All right did not run from the Obama endorsement. But I think that all right sees Trump as much more of an asset for him, is my suspicion, in that district than Obama is. Well, I also continue to be, you know, have questions about what black turnout is going to look like in Texas and whether Obama would be, a, you know, a pro in that from that standpoint. I mean, look, I, I imagine it's a part of the calculus for Colin already. African-American population in Texas is only about 13, 14 percent. African-Americans already turn out at a higher rate mm -hmm. for Democratic Party primaries and in general elections for the Democrats than the Hispanic population does as a percentage of its eligible to vote turn, I'm not but sure that you also, need help for the African-American vote. It was, it was also a flattened part of the electorate during the 2016 election. And, you know, you got to get them back out. Harris County is going to be important. Dallas County is going to be terrifically important. And I would imagine, you know, whether or not O'Rourke wants Obama to come on his behalf, you know, yeah. I, I think you'll see Obama mm -hmm. in those big counties some kind of way. See, I think I disagree with you a little bit because Democratic Party turnout in Harris County in the last election, just as an example, when Obama was on the ballot in 2012 against Mitt Romney in Harris County, he only won Harris County by fewer than 1,000 votes against Romney, and Hillary Clinton beat Trump in Harris County by more than 160,000 votes. If the issue is but, to get those counties to turn out, my sense is those counties are already turning out. If Obama has one day to campaign, he's much better off campaigning for Stacey Abrams in Georgia or Andrew Gillum in mm -hmm. Florida than he is for Beto O'Rourke in, uh, right. in Texas. Something to and that. besides now, Beto has the endorsement of Richard Linklater, so, you know, he doesn't need oh, Obama. Can we please talk about yes, that. Yes, Evan, tell me, tell me about the Richard Linklater ad. Well, it's, a, it's an ad in which a character... Uh, I guess it's an actor who appeared in Bernie, but I also I don't remember the movie enough. That, did he also play yeah, the he character was a, he in? Was a, he was like a man on the street in a bar. Right. Man, so he, he's not playing bar. the character he played in Bernie necessarily. It's that great scene from the beginning with all the people in the bar. But he's not not playing him. I mean, he's right. basically a, you know some old dude in a in a Texas bar. Uh, it's a, Texas sh diner. a shot that was a, a spot that was shot for the Fire Ted Cruz pack, which is not associated with the O'Rourke campaign. Oh, that's what the F and FTCs What'd pack you think it stands stood for. for? I cannot. I can't say it on this Trubcast. Felicidades. What did you think? What did you think? <laughs> that was fast. That was good. Yes. All right. Keep telling us. Uh, I don't know very many F words. Felicidades. On this podcast. Right. So actually, I said the F word that I could say. Well, it's an ad that uh, you know takes issue with this whole tough as Texas idea and says, you know, somebody who basically paraphrasing basically, like it. If if somebody you really made fun tough, of my dad, or, you wouldn't yeah. let you know. Somebody calls your wife a dog, or right. tells you says that your father uh, killed Kennedy. You wouldn't. Kiss their ass. Punch them in the chest. Yeah, you right. put his, your finger in their chest and yeah. take them out back and kick their ass. The, best part, of, the best part of the ad is just the way he says Cruz's name. He just goes, 
Ted. He goes, Ted. come on. It's so great. Ted. <laughs> I think the best part of it is it was pointed out to me by a lobbyist at the Capitol who shall remain nameless because I don't think he wanted him, him himself outed, that the actor who played, uh, who does this ad was also the actor in the pivotal scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High who gets Judge Reinhold's character fired from All-American Burger uh, after he complained about the breakfast not being the best breakfast ever. Do you know that scene? That's a great I'm, scene. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you raised the level of the conversation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, listen, if Alex is too young for Springsteen, don't tell me you're too old for, for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Could be, actually. Probably, yeah. All right, well, well, anyway, but the Linklater ad, apparently, a little bit of news that we learned is that Linklater has apparently shot four ads. So Evan right. will have three more opportunities for this, to enjoy these ads. For, for, I'm hoping it's other random actors from Fast it's, Times. You know, it's a, you know... That'd be really, you know, you, it's you missed him. He was probably like weeping quietly in his office this morning over those women in the military, the women in the military. I was weeping ad. over that ad, honestly. <laughs> and I know you hate Richard Linklater's movies. Oh my God, don't say that publicly on the Tribcast. You've said then, it publicly every then place somebody else. would know it. Not all of them, just You and I should boyhood. do an entire podcast, podcast in which we argue over boyhood. Yes, true. Next time. <laughs> yes. uh, okay. A few questions coming in on social media. Uh, Lauren wants to know, I'd, I'd like to hear your take on the limitations of polling likely voters, particularly given the crowds Beto's drawing on college campuses. Um, is that the right way to poll folks, Ross? Yeah, I mean, the, way, the only way to get a poll that, you know, is some kind of picture of what the electorate is doing is to figure out what the electorate is. And it's easier when you're farther from an election to just poll all Texans or to poll all the Texans who are registered to vote. But as you get closer and closer to an election, you have to have some model of which of those registered voters are actually going to turn out. It's going to be about 33 or 34 percent of the registered voters in Texas. There are about 15.6 million voters right now. So figure five million voters are going to show up and you've got to figure out which one in three that's going to be. That's what likely voters are. And there are a bunch of different ways to do that. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is a lot of them rely on what's happened in the past. You look at people who voted before and you say, you know, chances are that this electorate will look kind of like electorates in the past. That's one of the things that was wrong with some of the polling in 2016. So what happens here is if this is a normal election then the likely voter models will probably be pretty much on track. If something happens that hasn't happened before, then they'll be a, bit, a little bit off. And Nate Cohn from the Upshot, I want to come back to the Upshot poll for one second at the end of this to talk about the Upshot poll with Cruz and O'Rourke. But Nate Cohn from the Upshot is predicting not 5 million, but 6.3 to 6.5 million in Texas. in Texas turning out. So it was 4.6 million in the last midterm election in 2014. It was 8.8 .8 million in 2016 in the last presidential. He's predicting that the turnout will be somewhere between the two. If the turnout is 6.3 to 6.5 million, as opposed to 5 or as opposed to 4.6 in this election, that's got to be good news, I assume, for the Democrats. That's got to be, if you have a higher turnout, that's got to be good news. I'm going to say 4.58. He's even you're uh, whipped out the calculator. You're predicting <laughs> that it'd go back to the traditional midterm turnout. If it's, yeah, I mean, if it's, if, that's, it's, that's, if you've got 15, or lower than 2014, you've got how was that possible? 15.6 million voters. And 34% of them vote. That's 5.3. I am. It's 5 Tune in to Evan and Ross I'm, doing math and arguing It is over awesome. It. <laughs> Ross opened the calculator app I know. on his phone. I know. So, yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think if the Evan if the still got out, words with friends open. <laughs> I probably do, actually. I'm yeah, playing right. with Ali Narani. Um, I, I think if the, if the turnout numbers are that high, then I think we don't know who is actually going to turn out. And to the questioner's point, I do wonder if we're seeing a reverse 2016 here where the pollsters modeled the 2016 electorate in advance of the election on the basis of what they assumed previously would be the turnout. 
and they got a bunch of that wrong. And I wonder if this time we're modeling it based also on a mythical turnout and we're getting it wrong. This I is, don't know. This is Tea Party all over again. You know, the modeling into the 2010 elections underestimated the number of the conservative rush that year. And then the next year, you know, a lot of them disappeared. You know, they came out one time mad, their torches burned out, and then they stayed home. Here are a couple of uh, appropriate uh, mid-cast sponsors. The Texas Secretary of State wants you to know what you need to vote. Make sure you're registered and find out what forms of acceptable photo ID you can bring to the booth at votetexas.gov or 1-800-252-VOTE. Or or read that Alex Samuels, Ryan Murphy. It's true. Awesome piece. And in light of our conversations about Richard Linklater, another sponsor, the Houston Film Commission, a division of Houston First Corporation that promotes the greater Houston area as a film and television production destination. like we planned it. I know, crazy. Learn more at HoustonFilmCommission.com. Let me come back disclosure, to the upshot thing for one second. We did not. Disclose. I'm just disclosing that we did not plan these ads. We did not plan. <laughs> so back to the upshot thing. So the upshot is now doing the real time polling, right? And they've got the Aurora Cruz race, and it's about a nine point race, as they've uh, as they've done it so In far. It's not over Cruz, yet, right. but it's mm-hmm. Cruz 53, O'Rourke 44, and undecided three. Where's so, Neil? Amon, Where's Neil? So Amon Bethija, our political editor, and Ross Ramsey and I were talking this morning about the libertarian candidate not being in that calculation. Like, mm-hmm. why is the libertarian candidate not polled? Which seems like an own goal on the part of the Times, candidly. So I tweeted at Nate Cohn this morning and said, where's the libertarian candidate? And he went, oh, we are polling the libertarian candidate. He's just not He's getting nine-tenths of a point. We're just not saying that we're yeah. polling him and not displaying it. Right. No. Oh, well, but 53 that's... 53 plus 44 plus 3 adds up to 100 with Ross's calculator app. I know that to be true. <laughs> so if that's the case, where's the libertarian? You can't claim that the libertarian is part of undecided. Is it too low to register? I don't care. One percent could decide a race. Yeah. Am I, am right. I wrong to think that? Now, now tell me. Well, one person could <laughs> could decide a race, but not if it's a nine point spread. That's my math. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> we're not a nine-point spread. They didn't know that going in. She has I, a calculator, too, I apparently. think if it were closer, they would probably be showing it, if, the, if it was enough to make a difference. I'd like to know where he's getting that turnout number. That's crazy high. Nate Cohn? Yeah. Well, after he solves my libertarian candidate problem, he can solve your turnout problem. I mean, it's, it's, it, that's I would a like, lot. I would like Alex to solve the problem of affordable housing Thank for us God, here this on this conversation. podcast. Somebody who actually knows something. It's not hard <laughs> uh, Alex, we have this new project that landed this week. It's an occasional series that the um, trib, ki- trib kicked off around affordable housing or the lack thereof in Texas. And one of the most stunning findings for me of this amazing project, which included a really cool interactive and some community conversations that we'll talk about in a second, is I, I always assumed that renting was actually like more costly cost effective than trying to buy a house, but it turns out in Texas that is not the case. Mm -hmm. So I was actually talking to Brandon because he wrote this really awesome takeaways piece. And one of the things that came out of that is that renting is not necessarily cheaper than a mortgage dollar wise. But what happens is that people who rent are more likely to spend more of their income on rent than a homeowner would. And a lot of that goes back to renters just making less money than homeowners. So what happens with renters is there's this really negative kind of loop to where they can't save up money and then they can't save up money to eventually become homeowners. And so how much of your income should go toward your housing costs? I mean, there's always been like a rule of thumb, but what what is the rule of thumb I that we... It was, like one qu- was it one quarter of your gross? I, th- I think it's closer to 30%. Yeah, well, th- Alex knows. So 30, why don't we, yeah. 30% is the max. No matter how much you make, you should not be spending more than 30% um, of your income on housing. But most mortgage lenders will say you should be actually closer to 20%. Yeah, a third of gross and a quarter of net. Of net. 
And what did we learn about the state more broadly through this really cool interactive that we have? What are some of the most affordable and least affordable places to live in Texas? Yes. This, this surprised me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, my first reaction to this was, what? Yep. So one of the biggest gaps between uh, income and then homeowner and then uh, the price of the homes would be up in Dallas and the Highland Parks and University Parks area. So the average home there is roughly a million dollars. And then, but people living in that area make on average around 125K. Uh, so a lot of people either are living beyond their means or, uh, you know, just trying to make it work. Well, that, I mean, Highland Park is filled with this also sitting, super sitting wealthy. Sitting in a really big house with a can of ranch style beans. <laughs> but then yeah. that, that zip code, uh, and Brandon pointed to this, it also encompasses the SMU area. So there's a lot of college students there. So that mm. definitely impacts things. Got it. Ranch uh, style beans are delicious, TBH. Oh, my God. <laughs> Evan, you eat those? No, no, but I have memories of eating them at some point. But they're uh, delicious. Come on. <laughs> uh, and this should obviously come as no surprise, but communities of color fared far differently than mostly white communities in our research. How so? Yeah, so in zip codes where uh, people of color are the majority, uh, they are more likely to be renters, and also they um, have a, low in a lower income than people in the rest of the state. So what happens is those people are spending a lot more of their income on rent than uh, folks elsewhere. And a lot of this goes back to uh, gentrification, but then also uh, government-sponsored segregation that made it so people of color couldn't accumulate wealth that could be passed down to today's generations. Um, we released this week a really cool data interactive. Talk a little bit about how it works. Sure. So um, it's very cool, very fun. Um, so happy for everyone on the data team and audience team that helped with that. But um, essentially what it does it is it, is it tracks um, by zip code how much you're spending. So you can see if you're spending too much on housing in your community. You pop in your zip code and it'll tell you how much uh, you, you should, should be spending. Be spending on, right? You should yeah. be spending <laughs> and uh, how much the average person in your zip code is spending. So you can compare that to other folks in your area and then to other people throughout the state. And it's how like, is, it's like yeah. those bummer apps that I know, tell you terrifying. how you know, the, look at the airplane that you're on and see what the person in the next seat spent. It's like, what? <laughs> a few years ago, there was this amazing, I think it was a Wall Street Journal, maybe New York Times, but I think it was a Wall Street Journal tool that basically said, like, depending on the city where you live in, it's more effective to buy or to rent here. Right. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. It's really neat. And you can do it by zip code in Texas. Right. Uh, we're also giving readers an opportunity to participate in this conversation. And it's something that's pretty new for us. What are we doing? Yes. Yeah, so we launched our Community Conversations Toolkit along with uh, the interactive that we had uh, that we uh, released as well. So if you want to host a conversation in your community about uh, affordable housing, gentrification, anything uh, of the likes, we've made a toolkit, which basically is a step-by-step -step guide for hosting an event within your own community, which we encourage you all to download. So what do you do? Like bring it to your PTA meeting or your book club or what? Either. Uh, you can bring it to your PTA. You can bring it to your book club. You can bring it uh, to a family dinner, bring it to church. Not uh, to my family print dinners. It out. Thank you. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, basically, you can actually uh, host virtual AMAs if you want to talk to people online, but it's essentially a way to gather people in your community to talk about affordable housing. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Evan, you should know that our Facebook and Twitter listeners uh, really agree with my opinions on boyhood. <laughs> Well, who's on your Facebook feed? Your husband? No, on the Tribunes, the Tribcast. No, anybody who doesn't like Boyhood is banished from this Tribcast. That's not true, Larry. You get to stay. Larry, Larry Gonzalez. I don't know which Larry it is actually. Larry David. I just get first names. All any people by name Larry? Just come on. <laughs> I, I also hate Larry David. That's for another day. Uh, oh, oh, I, wow. Let's talk about the. It only gets is, worse. 
pretty, 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 pretty terrible of you to say that. I want to talk about the implications of the Kavanaugh confirmation um, electorally in Texas, particularly in the Senate matchup. I mean, is it fair to suggest that this Kavanaugh stuff has given Cruz some more breathing room? These polling numbers look a little bit wider than we've seen. I, I don't think we know whether mm-hmm. that's the case yet. Do we? Do we? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, you know, and I think this is less of a persuader than a motivator. And, and what I mean by that is I don't know that anybody changes their vote, you know, for Cruz or for O'Rourke based on, you know, how that went. But it might change their enthusiasm. A mobilization. I mean, it might cause somebody might, who was thinking of not voting to vote. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think it gets turnout to, I just figured that out, up to, his four, up to his 40%. <laughs> that's crazy. That's that's high. The uh, uh, Listen, the uh, cruise people will tell you, if you ask cruise people, that they are seeing uh, more enthusiasm among Republicans to, in the last couple of weeks. They right. attribute that to the Kavanaugh stuff. They and is he getting louder about it? a bit of a it? sigh of relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wonder about this. I had a conversation last night with a Republican who said, honestly, I'm really happy to have Kavanaugh on the court, but if this had dragged out a couple more weeks closer to the election, it might have benefited us overall in terms of the political environment. The worry is, especially in this news environment where news creeps into your feed every five seconds, right. that the Kavanaugh story is going to be old news by election day. This will be and last year by enthu- then, right? That mm-hmm. the enthusiasm generated by the Kavanaugh enthusiasm is a weird word to to be using in this case, but that the ter- that the motivation yeah. to participate civically, let's say it that way, to, uh, in this election because of Kavanaugh. Now that Kavanaugh's on the court, it's kind of like the 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 molten lava will cool, and we'll be on to other things. And so the anger of the people on the other side over the Kavanaugh confirmation, justified or not, will not cool, but that the Kavanaugh motivation may cool, and that ultimately, I mean, we saw a CNN poll yesterday that basically was like, yeah, some Kavanaugh bump that the the enthusiasm gap between Democrats and Republicans nationally, at least according to the CNN poll, was as wide as it's been as a result of, well, the Kavanaugh confirmation didn't affect anything. In fact, it affected it in the reverse direction. So right. I think we don't know. Look, a nine-point spread with a margin of error in this upshot poll is not inconsistent with the polls we've seen. Right. What's the margin? It's race. three and a half it's or four. Four. Yeah. four. It's not inconsistent. I continue to believe... And I will go down swinging on this, that this is a mid-high single-digit race. Mid-high single-digit race. I think so you got to like pick seven, either mid eight, or high. Seven, eight, six, seven, eight. I mean, depending yeah. upon the moment. And this poll is actually confirming or affirming that. The Emerson poll earlier this week had it at five. The Marist poll had it at, or the CBS News, pardon me, poll had it at six. They're all close. They're we'll all in have, the ball. We'll they're have a poll the, at some point. Of course, I'm waiting to see what they're uh, all in the same ballpark. They're all, um, with one exception that I'm aware of, they all have Cruz in front, mm-hmm. and they all have Cruz winning by a much smaller margin than Abbott, and that continues to be the really That's interesting so fascinating. aspect yeah, of this. So great. Because yeah, you have to the believe that there are Abbott. Beto voters? Yeah, the New York Times thinks they're evangelical women. I think that's crazy. White evangelical women. White evangelical women who are, yeah, have their Beto bumper stickers in the church parking over lot. Over the family separated crisis? Uh, over all kinds bit, of things. But I mean, stuff, yeah. yeah, or they just think he's cute. You know, don't discount <laughs> What? So, you, Evan, you used the word enthusiasm and then you sort of backtrack, but I actually think, I mean, look at. Well, it's hard to be enthusiastic okay, about well, a fight over a, a Supreme Court nominee's well, sexual assault. John Cornyn's, John Cornyn's celebratory tweet, I would say, was enthusiastic. Lovely for Brett, right. What did you, yeah, t- t- what? Ex- explain that tweet and why it might have You know, put I mean, some there was a, it was, Ill-ities. you know, I, I guess it was a play on the beer comment from Brett Kavanaugh's original testimony. I like beer. I like beer a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole riff. Beer's Matt Damon for Brett. did it. Matt Damon wore it better, I think. Um, 
the um, Cornyn tweet was a glass of champagne or Prosecco or something that um, basically said, I'm not having a beer, but I'm having bubbly Prosecco, for breakfast. you with your finger in the air and the monocle in your eye. What do you mean, Prosecco, really? What do you mean? Cornyn's drinking Prosecco? Were you on a bet? On Prosecco versus champagne? Yeah. Yes. Okay, on. Uh, done. Might have been Cava. Anyway. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to say there's a small way. Anyway, he, so he had this. He had a picture of this glass of beverage, whatever it was, and said, you know, bubbly, bubbly. for Brett. So. Well, what he actually said was, it's not hashtag beers for Brett, but it is hashtag bubbly for Brett. I actually think the bubbly for Brett part is not the weird part of that tweet. I thought the, the whole beer thing part is weird. was the weird. The whole tweet is weird. I thought the beer yeah, part was weird. The bubbly weird. part is a play on the beer part of it, which is... I saw that and I like. Ugh. Well, it was like too soon. Uh, totally yeah. too soon. I, I just thought it was, you know, I mean, that's dancing in the end zone, and I'm not sure that that's the image that they ultimately want to portray. I right. understand why he did it. You know, I understand why he felt that way. I'm not sure I understand why he did it. It seemed uh, like a strange choice for Cornyn, who generally seems more reserved on those kinds right. of things. But maybe he'd had a couple of glasses of bubbly. Maybe he'd had the bubbly. Yeah, maybe he had prosecco. Yep. <laughs> Uh, a few more questions on Come social on. media. Deborah <laughs> wants to know, what's this about Cruz not debating on CNN? This is in regards to, this is the, the CNN town hall in the Valley uh, that Beto is going to participate in. This is in. so interesting. This is one of these, uh, not to quote Brett Kavanaugh, but what goes around comes around. So remember that there was a debate schedule between Cruz and O'Rourke the mm-hmm. Sunday after the Tribune Festival. And then the Kavanaugh thing happened, and so the Cruz people pulled out and uh, said we can't do it anymore, and fine. And then like the next... Friday night at 10 o'clock or something, apparently the cruise campaign, if the story is told correctly, reached back out to the O'Rourke people and said, oh, hey, the Kavanaugh thing is now not a problem. Can we reschedule? Right, because the Kavanaugh thing went faster than they thought. And the O'Rourke people said, sorry, we made plans. And then the cruise people busted on the O'Rourke people for not getting back into the debate business. Well, this in this instance, according to Jeff Rowe's tweet, Jeff Rowe being the strategist for Cruz, they asked CNN if they would do a debate. And CNN declined. Isn't that right? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, this is, you know... CNN would not... This host, isn't cleanly CNN, sourced. So Roe is claiming that what CNN... I mean, I'm not saying the mm-hmm. d- casting down on it, but I'm saying claiming because I don't know the actual truth of this, right. that Roe is saying that they asked CNN to host one of the debates. And CNN said no. And then CNN came back and said, okay, would you do town halls? In where is it? McAllen? In McAllen. And right. the cruise people were unable to do it or declined to do oh, it. Okay. So they won't do town so halls. Thanks, no thanks. No thanks. And so then... So people are now busting on. There's they're saying to Everybody's the people, busting on you, everybody. You refuse right. to debate O'Rourke. Well, I'm not sure that they refuse to debate O'Rourke any more than O'Rourke refused to debate gonna, Cruz after the Cruz people canceled. Are we, we, we going to see these guys on, on stage again before the election? Uh, yes, on the 16th. Right? Isn't that isn't that when the in debate San Antonio? Balance, right? That debate Still is on? definitely on. Yeah, I mean, definitely but, as well, far we're as last night. Yeah, on. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is that what? the whole thing is if you, you know, it's like people are like, well, I can't do it. Well, then you've backed out of a debate. Right. Well, no, it's like circumstance. I mean, mm. you know, okay, so Cruz ch- chose not to do the CNN town hall. Big whoop. Yeah. All right, one more. Uh, and I'm not sure you guys are up on this yet. Hope Evan probably is. Uh, Eric says, let's talk about the NRCC pulling their media by in CD23. I am. We, Alex and I were talking about this. Okay. We, were talking about that. We, yep. we, we, we were just talking about that. Right. Yeah. Evan Phillipson. All, all we want. know is what we talked about? Yeah. Well, apparently, according to Ali Mutnick, our former Tribune fellow, who's now, I believe, at Roll Call. Roll Call? Yes. I and think that's right. Patrick yep. Svitek got some confirmation of this. Either he saw confirmation mm-hmm. or got it from the NRCC. The Republicans have pulled their advertising schedule that they had pre-booked in CD23 from the middle of October through Election Day. 
Right. So moving they say, their money. Will, Will because Hurt they believe, right. they believe Will Hurd's got this. We don't need to spend money there. We right. need to redirect that money to someplace else. I'd like to know where they're redirecting it. I'd like to know if it's going to John Carter. <laughs> I was going to say, sessions. in the, the <laughs> sessions Carter Hager race, yeah, the right. Sessions but race. Culberson, According know. to the upshot, Carter is beating MJ Hager by 506 points, though. I'm not sure that they need to do it there. Probably left Libertarian at that one also. Um, I, I wonder if we were talking this morning about whether they were redirecting it to Sessions or Culberson, which I have to tell you, not knowing what's actually going on in CD23, seems like a pretty smart move to me. Yep. You know, uh, you probably, I mean, so we have not had fundraising numbers yet from, we were talking about this again this morning, that we have not had fundraising numbers yet from Allred and Hager and a bunch of other races. And one theory on the street is that they don't want to announce until the very last minute the massive hauls they brought in in Q3 because they don't want to signal to the other side, you need to put right. a bunch of outside money into the districts. You know, if Allred raised $2 million or $3 million, as apparently seven Democrats around the country did in the third quarter, and Allred could very well have raised $3 million, we don't know. If Allred raised $3 million, the NRCC pulling money out of the herd race and putting it into sessions, this is a pretty smart mm -hmm. move, yeah. don't yep. you think? So that could be what happened. I have no idea what happened. Mm. I, mean, yeah. I don't know that I think Gino Ortiz-Jones has lost this. I do think that Hurd's in pretty good shape. It here's like. the thing about 23 is it's a more Republican district in non-presidential election years than it is in presidential election years. In the years that Democrats have won that seat, it's been with a president on the ballot. And in years when Republicans have won that seat up to Will Hurd's start, um, it's been when you know a governor or a senator was at the top of the ballot and no president out. Lower turnout favors Republicans there. It's not a presidential turnout year. Right. All right. Well, they're turning the lights off on us, so that's all the time we have. It's like uh, what happened yesterday during the during the interview with Clardy. It's uh, Alan Blakemore again turning off our lights remotely. If you like the Tribcast, be sure to join the conversation in our Facebook group. This is your Texas. This week, there's a robust affordable housing discussion going on on deciding whether to rent versus own. You can join us at Facebook.com/groups/This is your Texas. Thanks to Bills Up Now, Texas A&M University, the Texas Secretary of State, and the Houston Film Commission, our sponsors this week. And thanks to Shiny Ribs, as always, for our music. On behalf of Evan, Ross, Alex, and our producers, Michael, Ray, and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. What was with the, the light show thing? That was, it was on. Yeah, one was going on and off over here. Or was that the screen? That must have been the screen. Oh, that must have been the screen that you saw. Yeah. It wasn't Shannon this time. The nice thing about having all this nice technology is it's